family. Welcome back to another episode of the Filipino American Woman Project. I am your founder, producer, and co-host, Jen Amos. And I just have to say, I'm really happy for you to be here. You could be listening to any other podcast. You could be doing other things with your time. You could be multitasking with other things. Whatever the case, you have chosen to listen to our show. So thank you. I'm really excited to get into today's conversation. I'm going to try to keep this really short, but I also have some really exciting announcements for you. So let me get some of the easy ones out of the way. Throughout this conversation, if you feel compelled to reaching out to us and sharing how this conversation has impacted you in a positive way or however, we have a phone number. You can get ready, get your phone out. I'll give you a second. I mean, you probably are on your phone. So just pull out your contacts (laughs) and save our phone number. Our phone number is 415- 484-8329. Once again, that's 415-484-TFAW or the numbers 8329. That's TFAW as in the Filipino American woman. I'll say it one more time. 415-484-8329 or the letters TFAW as in the Filipino American woman. Text us, leave us a voice message. We would love to hear from you. Secondly, Nani and I are setting healthy boundaries when it comes to social media, and we are not as active as we used to be on Instagram. We want to continue to stay in touch with you and build community with you via our newsletter. And so if you want to be involved, if you want to be in community with us, if you want to contribute to our project, please sign up for a newsletter. You can do that by checking out the show notes of this episode or checking out our website, tifaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W project.com. Next announcement. If you want to share with the world how much you love the show, consider leaving us a five-star written review, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. If you are an Apple Podcast listener, you just have to go to our show in your Apple Podcast app and scroll to the very bottom. Down there, you'll be able to see the reviews and you can leave a five-star written review yourself. We'd love to hear from you and would be happy to give you a shout out, especially if you leave a five-star written review. Last but not least, my most favorite timely announcement. Have you ever considered starting a podcast? Or if you do have a podcast, you want to continue growing your podcast. More importantly, have you ever wanted to participate in attempting a world record? Well, guess what? Once again, I have been invited to speak at PodFest this year. But it's not just any normal PodFest. This is going to be a global summit online, virtual, and everything. And it's going to take place from August 10th to the 15th this year, 2020. The fun part about PodFest Global Summit is that they are going to be attempting the Guinness World Records title of the largest attendance for a virtual podcasting conference in one week. And guess what? You can be a part of it for free. That's F-R-E-E, free. Simply check out the show notes of this episode to sign up today or visit our website, tfawproject.com. Would love for you to be a part of it. Would love to see you there virtually. And I'm going to be representing. I'm going to be talking about the TIFA project here at the PodFest Global Summit. And from what I had heard from the uh, last speaker meetup, we have people from all over the world that are going to be attending this. And so would love for you to be a part of it and help me represent the Filipino American Woman Project. Once again, tickets are free. They are limited and they're filling up fast. So check out the show notes of this episode or the website tivaproject.com to register today. And hey, you may notice when you are signing up that you can actually upgrade your ticket. Whatever the price is, if you are possibly looking to get that at a 50% discount, reach out to me, Jen Amos. You can find me on Instagram. You can check out my contact information in our show notes or on our website. And I would be happy to give you the discount code to reduce the price of your upgraded ticket should you want to get that. All right. Now I'm really excited to get into this next interview. So fun fact, thanks to our editor, Dennis, shout out to Dennis. Nani and I sound like, sound very articulate and eloquent and we're really good at pronouncing things. But the truth is, that's not true. (laughs) And uh, thanks to our editor, he makes it sound really good. And so one thing about me that I tend to make fun of myself all the time is that I'm really good at butchering names. And so I just want to give a quick apology to Ashley Lanuza, who we are going to be interviewing here. Um, at the beginning, I have a little slip up. So I just want to make sure. And, and we actually, like Dennis did his best to edit it to not butcher her name. So Ashley Lanuza, 
I'm really excited to have you on the show. Thank you in advance for your grace and also to our listeners for your grace in understanding that I am not perfect. I will say things wrong. And uh, that is the beauty of being a Filipino American woman is you fail forward and you show up anyway and you keep going. But please don't let that get in the way of this amazing conversation that we have with Ashley Lanuza. So Ashley, thank you so much for being on our show and to our listeners, please enjoy this interview. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as Tifa Project, which you can learn more on our brand new website, tifaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W. You should know what that stands for by now, but if you don't, that's okay. The Filipino American Woman Project.com. You can learn more about us there and all of our other interviews and amazing guests. And as always, I have my amazing co-host with me. I need to come up with more adjectives to describe my co-host because I always <laughs> either say incredible or amazing. So I'm just going to have like synonyms just readily available somewhere. I'm going to like Google this. <laughs> Look up synonyms. Anyway, I have my amazing co-host with me, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back. Hello, beautiful people. Yes. And we're excited as he, I need another adjective for that as well. We are thrilled. There you <laughs> because, go. Because every time we get to do another interview, it means that we get to feature another incredible individual in our community. So I want to introduce you all to Ashley Lanuza. Ashley, welcome to the show. So fun fact about Ashley, she is an author, filmmaker, and lifelong student, and she just graduated from UCLA. Ashley, welcome to the show. And Hi, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yes, I was so excited. So for anyone that is ever interested in podcasting, there is a huge supportive podcasting community online. And in one of those communities, I had the fortune of meeting Ashley. I actually reached out to her because in this online community that's shutting down soon, so I'm not going to mention the name of it. Mm. I think I literally did a search of Filipino and you were the only one that popped up. Yeah. So Ashley, obviously you heard about the Filipino American Woman Project through yeah. me, but I would love for you to share what inspired you, what compelled you to take my invitation and join us today. Definitely. Like I'm a huge podcast lover. I love listening to podcasts all the time. And it always strikes me to listen to Filipino American oriented podcasts. I do listen to like this Filipino American life and like long distance radio because I think it's really important to like hear narratives from like our different perspectives. And so this definitely compelled me because I'm a huge supporter of the podcast community, especially the Filipino American podcast community. Love it. Yeah. Shout out to Tifa. We interviewed Elaine there, who also is a counselor at UCLA, I recently discovered. And she was one of the first people we interviewed, at least Nani and I together on the show. Mm -hmm. And she talked a lot about mental health, which Mm -hmm. she was one of the people early on to talk about it and really normalize the conversation. So it's really cool to have, you know, that there's a small world and, um, and it sounds like Elaine is doing great things there. Yeah. I had a Filipino American history class quarters ago and she was actually one of the guest speakers and like I knew of her because of this Filipino American life and like obviously I listened to it so I like knew of her and like I see her on campus and I'm like kind of an awkward person so I've always wanted to try to connect with her but I've never had a good like an easy time to but I don't know of her generally and I, I really respect her and like what she does. Yeah. No, shout out to Elaine. She seems so cool. And she's been like the name that that has been coming up lately, which um, I'm just going to like jokingly say that we normally bring up Stacy from, (laughs) she's our residential historian, like our unofficial historian of our group. And we always bring her up because we love her so much. So I'm just going to like throw her in here just because I like doing that to her. And and she never gives herself that in a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We got to bring up Stacy. You haven't met Stacy, Ashley, but she's been on our show a couple times. And yeah, like I said, she's kind of our residential historian here. Anyway, thank you for sharing that. And we're really happy to have you today. So this project is really dedicated to individuals who live or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. We also open up the narrative for people who identify as non-binary as well. So Ashley, can you share a little bit about your family background and why you identify Mm -hmm. as a Filipino American woman? Yeah, so I was born here in Los Angeles, California, to my parents that migrated when they were teenagers, but my family is from the Philippines, and so, you know, I eat the food, and I know my family's from the Philippines, so I was like, I guess I'm Filipino. (laughs) No, but... That passes. 
that, yeah, yeah, that, that works, right? That's how it works. For sure. Like, yeah, yeah, it was just family. And I knew that I was Filipino and I was American because I was born here. So like in a technical sense, that's what made sense. But as a Filipino American woman now, like everything I've learned and still have yet to learn, I really identify with the culture because it has become a place of home, not because of my family, but because of the people I've met through organizations and community events. And the sense of like activism and resilience that I found in this community, I think is very touching and very empowering. And I identify with how strong a lot of people I've met are, but also how critical and how aware I've met individuals who are in the Filipino American community. And as a woman, obviously that intersectionality is so important because our struggles and our challenges are very specific to both our culture and our gender. So I identify with both. I've experienced both. I've seen both in both my family and in the people around me. Mm. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I always love asking that question because I feel like people give so many different answers. (laughs) And I mean, sometimes it's similar, but for the most part, it's like, it's just vastly different. And Mm -hmm. it's just another example of how diverse our community really Mm -hmm. is. So thank you for sharing that. I like that you've kind of pointed out that you've found strength in the resilience in Filipino organizations outside of your own family, because that's also been my personal experience. Not that I don't find strength and resilience in my own family, but it's a different kind of validation, I guess, when you find Mm -hmm. it with people that you can relate to who you're not related to. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. And that's what we do at the show, you know, is for people that are looking for that sister, that ate or that outing they never had, you know, Mm -hmm. like this is a show to provide that for people that maybe don't have that in their immediate circle or they're trying to add upon what they already have. Well, with that said, for people that are getting to know you for the first time, and I know part of the reason why you're on the show is because you have a book. Why don't you share what does life look like for you nowadays and especially what keeps you busy and excited about life? you know, given current times. I mean, I think there's a silver lining in everything. So what does life look like for you today, Ashley? Uh, Today, it's mostly waking up late and sleeping (laughs) late and being on TikTok for three hours. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I just graduated college, still trying to navigate exactly where my interests are gonna go. I have a great idea of like, generally what I wanna do. The only problem is there's a lot I wanna do. Mm. So I don't know which one goes first. So I'm just trying to like reflect and navigate on that currently, especially giving into context this pandemic and how it's affected the industries I want to work into Mm. and where my life in writing fits into all of that because it is the strongest passion of mine, but it's not something I want to do 24 hours a day, but it's something I love to do 12 hours of a day. (laughs) There you go. So I'm trying to like incorporate that still into whatever path I choose And it's just trying to figure it out, I guess. And also catching up with people. I've been really connecting with like my networks, with my friends, and getting updates and how the food's doing. And it's just really, it's kind of tough, you know, because of the pandemic. And hopefully things will simmer back to normal of sorts. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like if things go back to normal, like what kind of normal is that going to look like and what career options will be available? Mm -hmm. And are there career options right now in the meantime? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, what do you do in the meantime too? You know, like, should I just, yeah. (laughs) So this is like nothing related to do with school and your career, but like, what is the deal with TikTok? Because I (laughs) don't use it. Yeah, I can't get into it. Like, I am definitely an older millennial now because, like, there's just, like, I couldn't get into Snapchat. Like, my Mm -hmm, sister, mm -hmm. like, one time I only had Snapchat because, like, that was the only social media account my sister was on. So I was like, okay, fine, I will get on Snapchat. And then she eventually got off. off. I was like, okay, I'm off of it, too. I I don't want to be on here. And, And, you know, I see people you know, obviously they'll, they'll have those short like audio clips or, you know, video clips that you can end up downloading and like putting on Instagram or something. But like, at least for you, like if you're on TikTok for three hours a day, that must mean something. Like what does TikTok mean to you? Just so I understand quote unquote younger generation. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I think it's like, for me, it's just a visual Twitter because I feel like Instagram is a very curated 
social media and also I tell my family's on it. No offense to my family. It's just, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't, you know, we, you can't we have do everything you want to do. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we all have like different interests, you know, like what they're going to post. I'm not really interested in like always right. seeing. Right. Well, like, you know, sometimes I do, but it really depends on like what my mood is. If I want to feel, do I want to read something that's more engaged, more political commentary, more social con- commentary, or do I want to wa- watch a cooking video or something just the existential humor of my generation so i see tiktok as just a visual version of twitter because the people i do follow and the things that i do watch are rather informative um especially like with the blm movement going on Mm. there's been a lot of really informative things to view and like looking through the comments looking at the discussions but i also just like watching cooking videos because they do it really cute and like (laughs) and like really fast to watch rather than like a 10 minute youtube video i'm like cooking which i still watch but like tiktok is just like okay boom 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 i want to try that one day i'll save it there's just such a variety of things like people who are like preparing you for like job stuff and like what to ask at interviews and like people telling you about like things how to wake up in the morning to have a better like you know start to your day and history people talk about history and sometimes they're just funny and so I feel like Twitter does that but sometimes I don't feel like reading so I just right. go through TikTok yeah you know I appreciate you describing it that way like you are yeah, yeah me first, too you're the first person who's ever said that it's like a visual Twitter like because I couldn't even fathom I was like if I'm gonna do short stories like on TikTok why don't I just mm. do that with my Insta stories you know mm-hmm, but yeah. like but that makes a lot of sense because yeah that just does. Like, I don't have anything else to add to that. I don't know, Nadi, if you had any, any thoughts. I mean, that's definitely the first time I've heard of someone who uses TikTok, like, intentionally like that and mm-hmm. to, like, actually go and find things that are informative and not just, mm-hmm. like, random dance challenges and whatever, because oh, yeah, that's, no. that's what I thought it was. It's yeah. just, like, Me too. you know, my, like, our younger sister kind of generation of kids, like mm-hmm. on there dancing with their friends and stuff or doing mm-hmm. makeup challenges or whatever, mm-hmm. which is cool to watch mm-hmm. and stuff. But I just don't, I never felt the need to like download and join a new mm-hmm. platform for that. Cause again, yeah. I just assumed that if I wanted to do those things, I would post them on Instagram, but yeah. Um, and but I agree, that like, actually makes okay. a lot more sense. Yeah. And I agree. Like it's definitely, I was listening to another podcast and it was talking about TikTok and how like, it's funny because it's not about being unique. It's about following the trend in TikTok. Yeah. Like you do the same dance and like you try to put your spit on it, but it's pretty much the same thing. Like if you click on a music track that's on a video, it's like a dozen of the same dance and different people, yeah. which I like, like to watch too because the songs are super catchy. Like the radio now is just <laughs> filled with TikTok songs. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. But I think it's really cool because it, it gives like, there's no pressure to be that one person to like do this you know what I mean it's like it's cool to actually kind of follow the trend and like yeah it's like more of a collective yeah Yeah. collective Mm -hmm. I really like your take on that because I just think one time one of my friends like just showed me a series of like all these TikTok videos where everyone was doing like the savage Ah, song Uh and I was just so captivated I was just like oh that's how they do it that's how they do it well that person was really like a lot sharper when they were doing it no not I will the only time I ever dance is when I'm really drunk and that has not Happened in a while, same. just so you know. Same. <laughs> same, same, same. Like, I'm glad I'm not in that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, the first time I ever really danced was like was in college and my friends like invited me to like just for the record I actually didn't drink till I was 21 so I don't know if that like proves anything but anyway (laughs) not really I still drink I mean I drink a lot no but (laughs) you've made up for it I made up for it oh my god I drank hard for two years okay yeah 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 21 to 23 you just switched it your last two years were your first 21 to 23 (laughs) she was just drunk yeah that was her freshman year yeah yeah and then I took like two years off like I was like okay I'm done so from 25 I was like that's too much and then now I'd like to say I'm a fairly casual like yeah I'll drink every now and then but I remember like the first time I ever danced it was like at a club like it was like my Mm. first club ever in in downtown San Diego and I was so like self-conscious because at the time I was convinced that you have to wear heels you have to wear a dress you have to wear like makeup and I was just like really drunk and I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would and Anyway, that's a conversation for another time because other other weird stuff (laughs) happened there as well. I actually, okay, I'll just mention it since I'm talking about it. So like one of my first experiences in the club, my ex 
boyfriend happened to be at the same club I was at and he actually waited to drink till he finished college. Oh. So he finished college and he was drunk at the club for the first uh-huh. time. And he was basically like stalking me. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he was like following me around. And I remember, like, I don't know, I think he like, obviously, he, like, he broke up with me. So, you know, that's his fault. But <laughs> yeah, at the end of the night, it was like 2 a.m. It was like the last round for drinks or whatever. He bought me like, at this time, I thought it was really, I mean, this is still really expensive. He bought me like a $20 shot of Patron. Like, cause that's how much it costs at the time. It was yeah, 20 bucks for one so shot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I took that shot and then I ran away and then I never <laughs> saw him again. <laughs> so that's, that's part of my first like, time thanks, dancing. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Those are like, so really, crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. Cause by then I think he already like landed his like job, like his mm. stable job as an engineer. Anyway, good for him. So he will never listen to this show, by the way. I always say, I always okay. to like Nani. It's like just until they reach out and say, I heard you talk about me on your show. I'm just going to like <laughs> just talk trash about people in my Yeah, past. just, you know, doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Out okay. of sight, out of mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for indulging us in that conversation and hearing a little bit about my college life a decade ago. <laughs> So we talked a little bit about your life today and how you're figuring some things out. And I'm curious, I know that you're still trying to figure out like your career, obviously, but are there any like career options that you currently see like right now that you feel like you might consider looking into? I'm just curious because I think when I graduated college, like I literally didn't know either like what I was going to do with yeah. my life. So I'm just curious where you're at with that. Yeah, I know that there's like three main avenues that I'm super interested in. It's all just a matter of like, how will this be planned out in the next, I don't know, five years or whatever. But I'm really into film production in the entertainment industry. It's just really difficult because I'm a film minor. So I was able to connect with a lot of my professors and TAs and stuff. And I've done internships. But it's just a matter of like the industry is so on pause right now Mm -hmm. uh, with the pandemic. So no one's really hiring or looking for assistance or anything. So I'm kind of just like floating. And then psychology major, I do really like counseling and therapy and I want to pursue a marriage and family therapy master's eventually or a PhD now I'm like I'm not even sure which one I want to do and then writing it's like Mm. the love of my life but yeah I don't I don't know where where that's fitting in I'm actually yeah thinking about other projects to do in terms of writing but right now it's kind of on hold as I try to figure out a stable like job option yeah you know I feel like mental health professions are like all the rage right now like everyone I know has a therapist it's like such an in thing I mean I have a couple actually yeah yeah, like my husband and I have couples counseling right now you know it's like it's funny because he's all like we don't have any problems are we doing this I was like that's exactly why we're doing it because we don't have problems Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's good it's like preventative (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah anyway I'm just airing out my dirty laundry But no, I mean, I feel like that's kind of like all the rage right now. And I know that a lot of people, not that you should pursue a career because it's trendy, but I know that a lot of therapists have transitioned to like telehealth type services, Mm -hmm. like, you know, doing like video counseling or just doing a phone call. And so I've always been fascinated by like therapists and the mental health industry. I never pursued it. I initially got my major in psychology until my freshman year, I got my first F in my life in psychology 101. And I was like, that's probably not going to work for me. So I think it's really cool that you're considering that as an option and you do not fail your psychology class uh, like me. So yeah. I think the problem though with psychology at universities is just like it's so broad mm-hmm. and especially like research universities like UCLA it is very like statistics based and I hate math and it's just like a lot of classes were like a pain in the ass <laughs> to like get through because I was like I do not want to do conditioning and I don't want to do like statistics but I have to it's part of the requirement mm-hmm. and I got lucky that I was able to like get through one of the hardest side classes out there that was based on like research and methodologies, but it was just like, this is not of any interest. And it wasn't until like a few quarters, I was able to do like classes that I was like, that was more concept based and super interested in, but they were just Mm. so broad. Mm. So I think psychology is a really great major. I mean, I was actually reading a statistic that only 25% of psychology undergrads actually use a psychology degree for further education. Otherwise people just get into other things because it is so broad, right? Like you can apply it as a therapist or counselor, but you can also apply it into marketing. You can also be like an advisor for like organizations to do team building, or you can Mm, apply it to like 
artwork and things and like the psychology of that or just not use it at all and <laughs> I just like it's just like I have a bachelor's that's it that's all I could talk about you know right, right. I think that's we're coming into I don't know if we're just coming into it or we're like in the middle of it but definitely for people that are graduating and my generation and stuff it's like your bachelor's is very not really always attached to what you're going to be doing and I think that's really hard to like translate to like family and like people who are like a lot older to be just because I know in the Philippines like it's a bit more of a direct push into whatever you're studying goes into what your career but unless Mm. you're like in the medical profession or like the engineering profession it's like pretty kind of willy-nilly like it's true (laughs) it's always going to be not a linear path exactly and it's not always going to translate and I know like I talked to a lot of like grad students and they're some of them just go to grad school because they're switching from industries so Mm. I know I have like one of my TAs he's a part of the film program but he was like in financial writing or something or financial literacy or some sorts beforehand and that was like Mm. kind of a huge switch and he joined the program because he didn't know anything about the film industry and that's what he wanted to do so you know it's just it's not linear and it's not translating equally and and also the fact that like a lot of the bachelor degrees these days are not like the positions for bachelor degrees are just not enough for a lot of positions anymore it has to be like you gotta get your master's now so yeah yeah it's just kind of changing the entire narrative yeah, for sure. You know, Ashley, you're, you're very wise for <laughs> a college graduate. And you know, what you mentioned is so true. Like a lot of us don't use our degree after college. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I got a degree in journalism media studies mm-hmm. with an emphasis in public relations. And it was like one of the harder, like more impacted, like degrees to get into or whatever. But I didn't use it after college. I mean, I ended up like having a social media agency like for myself for like six years. But in terms of like the traditional sense, like I didn't Mm -hmm. do the typical career path. And I think that with psychology, it's like if you really want to make something out of that degree, you typically have to go to school like that much longer from what I have noticed if people ended up pursuing it. But just like what you said, I noticed that with my friends that had psychology degrees or bachelor's degrees, that was kind of it. Like they didn't really like use yeah. it for anything else. You know, it was, it was kind of like one of those majors, like, yeah, I graduated college. Yay me, you know, not to downgrade the degree in any way, because no. I mean, the reason why I fell in love with it initially is because I just wanted to better understand myself and better understand yes. people. But yeah, you know, I, I think it's really, and you know, one thing that I like to say, and I feel like no one's going to like it when I say this, but like colleges are also a form of businesses and they're trying to yes, sell you something. They're trying to sell you to get into crazy debt to get this, mm-hmm degree that, you know, may not necessarily equate to anything in the real world. You know, I think about my friends who didn't go to college and I remember I had this friend that was like crazy ambitious. And I remember asking, I was like, how did you do it? How did you accomplish so much? And he was Mm -hmm. all like, I didn't go to college. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And, you know, you think Mm -hmm. about at least, at least my parents, my immigrant parents, that's, that's their biggest dream was for us to get bachelor's degrees. And so luckily we all did that. Mm -hmm. Now, did we actually apply it? That's like another story. So I think my brother is the only one who actually applied his degree, like after college and everything, but he just recently got let go. (laughs) I think unfortunately marketing is usually like the first thing that gets cut, like in most Mm -hmm. companies, you know, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you're very self-aware in knowing that like, to me, I think that you go to school to better yourself, not to necessarily mm-hmm. expect that that's going to translate into mm-hmm. a job that you deserve because, mm-hmm. you know, no one deserves anything, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, you got yeah. Yeah, to work for it or have like the right connections and stuff. So I think it sounds like you have a good head on your shoulders and you're looking at all of this with optimism and, and also being very realistic about it. And it sounds like you're taking your time figuring out what you want to do now that you've graduated. Yeah, I definitely think that the narrative, I mean, I understand the narrative of like, you know, you got to go to college because it does work like in Mm -hmm. a sense when you're looking for like careers and stuff that do require bachelor degrees, but it is just very terrifying for those who have to go through it, especially if it's like, you know, you're kind of the only one in your family to go through it. For my immediate family, like my stepmom was able to go to college But it wasn't like the traditional sense of like the whole, you know, right after high school kind of four years. And she did it while she was working, which is like super, like, I totally respect that. But it's a different experience when you're like 18 and you're like, oh, I'm going to go independent now for four years. And I don't know what's going on. And like, for me, like, I was always excelling academically and stuff like that. So when I got to UCLA, it was like, it became no longer studies. It became like, who am I as a person and trying Mm -hmm. to figure that out. 
and that, you know, that still goes on. I know that's going to go on for the rest of my life. And I totally accept that. It's just, it's very scary to have to take those first few steps on what it feels like on your own until you find like that community and stuff and try to, and like start honing in on what that voice is. But it does take a while and it's still taking a time. <laughs> and then it's like the next year college is over. <laughs> yeah. So, like yeah. it just like goes in a blink of an eye. Also want to commend you on how like wise and self-aware it sounds like you are, especially in such a weird time. I think it's the more common story you hear, at least with our generation that, you know, 10 years or five years down the line, it's like, oh, what did I get my degree in again? Like, I also don't use my degree for anything really remotely related. (laughs) So I know that that is probably a tough thing to hear for someone who's like currently, you know, just graduated and just got done doing four years of like extremely hard work and putting so much of yourself into it. But I love that you consider yourself, like you said, a lifelong learner and you really, you know, enjoy learning about these things and you have a clear idea of what your interests are, even if there are several of them and they may seem unrelated, but you know, when considering the new normal after this Mm. pandemic and how the world is going to kind of reshape itself, I feel like there is going to be a lot of opportunity if you just keep collecting all of those lessons and wisdom that you're getting from school or whatever other spaces that you're learning from. I think that in the future, there's going to be, you know, great opportunity for you to maybe combine all three into a project of some sort, you know, that you can dive into later on in life. And so I guess my only like advice to you at this point would just to be like, be patient with yourself and with the world and, you know, let it all kind of come together. Cause I know you probably feel a lot of pressure right now, just having graduated and like, not sure what opportunities are even available right now for you to start working or continue school. So yeah, just give yourself grace and be patient and you are a smart cookie. So I know it will yeah. all work out for you. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, <honey. laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, you don't really need advice from us, but in case, you know. Not at all. Oh, just, just in case, here it is. <laughs> Thank you. I know, I totally appreciate it. Yeah, it's always good to hear as much advice as possible because, you know, I could be like aware of everything that's happening, but what are the steps are going to look like? So I just love absorbing people's experiences and advice to like kind of navigate that. You know, I just feel like college was so much harder than life for me. Like if I were to like look back, I was like, it was so hard. Yes, the worst of it is over. Yeah, yeah, I, was just, yeah. I was just thinking like, because you're, you're like, you know, you're so pressured to like know who you are and you're, you know, you're in your young twenties. You're still, you're still, I don't know what I want. You know, like yeah. I'm 32. I still don't know what I want. You know, it's like, right. hence why I do the show. I try to figure it out through you guys, you know, like through everyone. Yeah. But it, it's interesting, like how just rigid it was. And then I remember when I graduated, I felt this sense of relief. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, like, and, and don't get me wrong, like, life hasn't been easier. <laughs> College just kind of felt like a bubble. I think it really, like, gave me this almost unrealistic idea of what the real world was going mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. And so when I got out, That's a good I was, way to put it. Yeah, yeah it, it's I like, agree. And it's like, when I got out, I was like, uh, and as the years went on and I I look Mm -hmm. back at my degree, which I'm so happy to have gotten, by the way, I don't, I have no regrets for going through school. It's just interesting to think like, wow, like I, that was a bubble (laughs) that I lived Mm -hmm. in for five years. And Mm -hmm. it makes me wonder if I could go back, would I have gone to college? Maybe I would have taken a different approach. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like college was a job in itself. And then once I graduated, I was like, okay, I'm transitioning. I'm going to do another career. I'm going to do another job, you know? So anyway, I I like just think like reflecting out loud (laughs) my experience in college is because you just graduated. I was like, oh, it makes me think about like my my college life. But let's go ahead and move on. We can talk about (laughs) college forever. I I have a lot of stories, but we won't get into those today. So Ashley, you have a book and I think it's super awesome. Yeah. I think it's awesome because it's like when I graduated college, I did not write a book. So Tell us about this book. (laughs) I don't think many of us did. (laughs) Tell us about this book and what compelled you to write it. So my book is called My Heart of Rice, A Poetic Filipino-American Experience. It is a series of poems in chronological order about my Filipina-American identity, starting with the food that my Lola cooked when I was younger and how that was my connection to being Filipino. Mm. Uh, Again, like I said, I grew up in Los Angeles, in Eagle Rock specifically, which is really Filipino, but my family wasn't super connected with the community there. 
it was more just food. It was like there's a Jollibee and a Chowking at that mall, and that's you know that's what it is. I haven't been to the Philippines since I was like eight or nine years old. Mm-hmm. But food, food was like the main cultural aspect. And then I would also watch teleseries or soap operas, Filipino soap operas. But uh, we stopped that at some point. I don't know. But that was also how kind of how I learned the language. But I'm not very fluent, and I don't want to speak Tagalog because uh, <laughs> I've been told it doesn't sound very authentic. So I'm not going to try. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I know what you mean. One time I was like like, trying to like, this is like back in college too. Like college just like messed me up. But I I remember my first college boyfriend, the one that tried to hit on me in the club. Like I pretended to have this Filipino accent around him. And he's like, don't ever do that again. You know, (laughs) like that was bad. And I was like, and I just like, I just have not really tried ever since. So thank you, ex-boyfriend for traumatizing me. For shaming me. (laughs) I was in high school. I went to a Catholic school and we were doing like those prayers at mass and it was supposed to be like international or something. So I did mine in Tagalog. And then the only other Filipino girl was just like, dude, you sound so whitewashed. And I was like, okay, I'm never going to do this again. (laughs) That's so sad. That's so sad. It's like, yeah, because it's like you're making an effort and it's like, it's hard enough to claim that you're Filipino, as we all know. Mm -hmm. And then to have to prove yourself, especially to other Filipinos or to be shamed Mm -hmm. for not being Filipino enough. It's like, like, Mm -hmm. this is is not helpful, guys. It's not helpful. Yeah. And language is like the biggest indicator for so many people. It's like, if you don't know how to speak any of the Filipino languages, you're not Filipino. You know what I'm like, uh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. And I tried. I like enrolled in a Filipino class in college my first week. But mm-hmm. it was just too much in terms of like transitioning to college. I went to a small Catholic all-girls school. So oh my goodness. going at UCLA, which is like 400 <laughs> people per lecture when like my school was only like 250 girls in one, like oh all four gosh. years. It was like, like the uh, biggest culture shock. Yeah. yeah and yeah, there were yeah. like people that were not just like girls, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, so it was just a lot. And like this, the class was really great. Like the teacher was super sweet. It was just a lot of work and I just wasn't used to it. And so like I had a, like a mental breakdown and I was like, I can't do this. And I just never got back to it. Mm-hmm. So it was just also a lot. So I think that, you know, that being the only indicator of being Filipino is like kind of just tough to go around because there's also people with like certain experiences that have mm-hmm. never allowed them to. Or like, I know people grew up in families where they're not even allowed to like learn uh, Tagalog or Filipino, other Filipino languages. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. So, your book. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My book. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been writing poetry for years. I think since I was probably 10, 11 years old. I actually won like a citywide competition and when I was 12, and that was when I knew poetry was like my jam. Wow. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I got pushed by the mayor on accident. So that's fun. <laughs> you got pushed. You got yeah, pushed well, by the like, mayor. Yeah. So Mayor Villagrosa of Los Angeles, he, we were, it was like, it was a ceremony of like the award ceremony for the competition. And we were taking a picture and he accidentally like nudged me and I kind of like <laughs> doubled over. And oh my gosh. I was like, oh my God, the mayor pushed a little girl and it was funny. I like to tell <laughs> Did he that. help you <laughs> up? <laughs> no, I, I didn't fall fall. I just kind of stumbled, you know? Oh, but okay. Like, oh, no, the mayor pushed me. <laughs> it looked really bad yeah, <laughs> on his part. Yeah. <laughs> like, how dare you? You're like, yeah. ah, my neck. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I loved that. And I knew poetry was just like the thing that I like, it was my jam. And and I also wrote a lot of other things in between. And then I was just writing a few poems on, my family was going through something at the time. My mom's side of the family was going through something at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was just trying to process that. And all these emotions were just like really overwhelming. And all the events were just really overwhelming. So I was like, I'm just going to write about it because that's how it feels real but also not as scary as it is in my head. Mm-hmm. And so I started writing and then New Degree Press, which is a, my publishing company, um, they were doing a program for like students and things and uh, students and things um, for like students. And then- um, And I rocks was, and leaves. And, and rocks and lizards <laughs> and all that stuff, you know? And then they approached me with the opportunity and I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. And so I took it and I kept pushing it back because college again is some Mm. busy stuff and writing a book at the same time is not the easiest feat but I eventually got to it I was able I think it was like really good 
timing on my part. I started abroad my last uh, last fall quarter of my senior year, and that coincided with the writing process. So being abroad, away from home, away from like the busyness and chaos of of the community, um, I was able to just like take my time, you know, writing on trains in between like Amsterdam and Paris, which is really cool, and oh. going and like on planes and things, and being able to like manage that time zone difference to like make it work for me. Then it came out. And here we are. <laughs> wow. What a cool experience. I know, especially because you had the opportunity to publish a book like while you're yeah. in college. Cool. Yeah. That is pretty awesome. I'm curious, what do you hope to, or like, who do you hope to help with that book? I know it's one thing to like publish a book to be like, I published a book, you know, but I would imagine that with the publishing company, they probably talked to you about having some, some kind of objective with the book. And so mm-hmm. what, what is like the primary objective or the thing that you want to accomplish now that you have this book in your hands? Yeah, definitely the target audience is for people who don't feel like they're part of their identity, their cultural or their heritage, who feel either disconnected from that or never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the book is a chronological, is like chronological because it's how I figured it out besides like moving away from the food into the community, into the history, into the traditional aspects of it in the context of this very diverse country of America, right? Rather mm-hmm. than just like a monolith of another country. And so it's really just, I want it to be a guide in a way for people to kind of start their own journey, especially for Filipino Americans. I know that there's a lot, uh, there's so many different experiences and how how connected someone is is varied throughout like I've met people who have cousins who are like generations of like college activists in the Filipino community so they knew all this stuff coming in and Mm -hmm. there was me who was like I had no idea that this even existed and so being involved in the Filipino org at UCLA Samhang Filipino was like the central point of my college career and it inspired so much of like why I wrote the book because I've met so many other Filipinos who just weren't interested in joining the org or like had some kind of personal thing going on like to not really connect with the org. And I always wondered like why? Because this mm-hmm. makes sense to me. And you know, I want to take account that people have those diverse experiences and there's reasons why like individually. So I just wrote this book because I'm like, if you're interested in having any connection or having any desire to want to understand or connect in some way, this is a great starting point. It's like a, you know, a firsthand book because it talks about history. It talks about community conditions. It talks about um, general experiences. I mean, just for anyone who, who feels disconnected from that part of their identity and want to seek that out. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. I love Nani? that you say that. Yeah, no, I just wanted to add upon that and I'm also a part of like community organizing spaces up here in the Bay. And I kind of feel like guilty sometimes when I unplug and I don't check the messages for like weeks or something, but I'm always so blown away by every time I do want to plug back in. It's like, nobody's judging me for that. Everyone understands nobody, you know, is is probing into my personal life. They just understand, you know, your attention can get spread thin sometimes. And sometimes you just need to find other ways to connect with your roots. And that's why I love, you know, people like you who put out books or us, people who put out podcasts, you know, like things that you can engage in your own time uh, Mm -hmm. in those moments when life is kind of getting to you. So, so yeah, I just wanted to add upon that. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, this is actually, I think, a good opportunity to transition to one of my most favorite questions of our (laughs) what do you call it, of our conversation so that we don't go over two hours or something. So Ashley, the life lesson that you want to share with us today is that art is healing. Mm -hmm. And you did kind of allude a little bit about like you and your family having gone through something and you don't have to get into the detail of that, but you know, writing has been a really good outlet for you. And so I imagine that the art you're probably describing is writing, but if not, you know, I'd love for you to share what does this life lesson mean for you and what inspired you to share this life lesson with us? All right. So just to give like context in my experience with that kind of lesson, I think I've been doing it through writing for a while. I just didn't know how to Mm. articulate that. And it wasn't until I had my first ever breakup. (laughs) It's always a breakup. It's always always a breakup. breakup. (laughs) It's always a breakup. 
I wrote a poem and then I made it into a short film with my friends. And wow. we, we recorded or we shot like in court, like my, one of my favorite places in downtown Los Angeles that were kind of related-ish to that relationship. And I think that it was a process of getting my friends together and the process of being in those places, not in the context of that relationship, but in the context of my friendships and making memories over there to kind of replace it. And, you know, making this entire, that entire experience into something objective really helped my healing process. I think Mm. it just sped it up by like tenfold, being able to kind of just think about it. Like, this is a project. This is no longer like my pain. This is like something that I'm doing Mm. and that I need to get done. And by the end of it, I was like, whoa, I'm like pretty, pretty good now. I'm healed. Not completely, but like definitely a lot closer than I was at the beginning of it. And that's when I realized like all this time, all this time that I've written poetry about what I was going through or just writing in my journal about what I'm going through has just been really healing in that way. And I didn't realize it until that moment. So when I wrote the book, that was a similar experience because I was feeling at the beginning of my college career, when I first learned about and tried to enter the Filipino org space, I felt that kind of disconnect because I was never, I didn't grow up with a lot of Filipino people my age. I didn't, I don't have like a cousins like my age, like big cousins or anything like that. My boyfriend does. And so his experience is different. And I grew up mainly around Hispanic communities. And again, like my family wasn't really involved in the community in a cultural, in a cultural way. So when I was able to finally get exposure to that, I felt cleared and I felt like, oh, maybe this isn't what I was, maybe this isn't my vibe. Maybe this isn't my people. Like I hoped it would be. Eventually mm-hmm. it did. It, you know, it was just really making those connections, but it started off that weird feeling of imposter syndrome and whatnot. And mm-hmm. that feeling was hard to kind of come by because this is like, this is what I look like and they look like me, but then we're not really clicking here. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's you know my fault because I don't engage in this culture as much as, as they did. And so those feelings I had to process along with the feelings that were going with my family. So they all just kind of came together, <laughs> fortunately, in, in a way in these different themes. And when I wrote this book, when I finally finished it, and again, it became like a project, it was like, I am closer to accepting and understanding what my Filipino American identity is than I was before. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, it's just a personal therapy project for me. Yeah. Yeah. They say that research is really me search. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. what what you're creating is really just you kind of outwardly exploring like this inner world that you didn't realize you had. And it's like the more that you create something physically, the more your inner world makes a lot of sense. And I think like also finding like the academia behind it. Again, I've always been like an academic person. I love history and I love reading things and research. And so being able to see like these histories or these community conditions into like, like actual published articles was very validating for me. I know that's not for everyone, but for me, it was like super validating, super Mm -hmm. like, wow, this is something that I'm not the only one going through and it's a study in it. And I think that process, which I did do some research on for this book was super, was very, very healing. And like going back to a point earlier about you know, how Jen, you wanted to do psychology to learn more about yourself. Same for me. My parents are divorced Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm going to immediately do adolescent development. And I remember (laughs) sitting in lecture and then they were like, okay, so what are, you know, high risk things percentage wise? Because that's what basically psychology is based on statistics of like children who go through like divorce experiences and like people were like shooting ideas up in the air. And I was like, whoa, that's me. (laughs) You're like, oh, (laughs) that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) relatable. And so it was just so, it 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 put everything into so much perspective rather than like this internal battle of like, gosh, is it something with me? Is it something with this? It's like, okay, I can connect it to these bigger ideas and these bigger studies that other people have experienced. Mm, Powerful. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap up our conversation, Ashley. You just have so much knowledge and you're so articulate and you're so full of wisdom. And I feel very excited for you and this new stage of your life, given current times, it's really interesting. (laughs) Really interesting to be a college graduate right now. I can only imagine. (laughs) But, you know, for people that want to connect with you, you know, and, and learn more about you and learn more about your book, how can they do that? How can they find you online? 
So you can find me on Instagram at AshLanuza underscore or Facebook at facebook.com slash AshCLanuza. And just message me from there. I'm pretty open to anything, <laughs> to more if people want to just hit me up for questions or want to discuss the book. And I'm always open to comments and critiques. I think it's really important for growth. And I think it's important to accept these diverse thoughts from other people because especially art is so subjective. Mm. I don't believe that even if I have the intentions I have with this book, it's not always going to translate. And I think that's okay because that's always based on a person's experience. So I'm always open to hearing how people feel about it. And especially for those who relate to it, that that, that always makes me cry. I always send screenshots to my boyfriend like, oh my God, like someone messaged me and they like this part of my book and they related to it. And <laughs> I just was just so happy. So if anyone oh, feels that way, awesome. that's super dope. If you just send me a screenshot on Instagram, I would love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I love about. I definitely um, want to read your book. Yeah, Sorry. yeah I just wanted to throw that in there. It Go has it. been in my Amazon cart for a long time. I have a bad habit of like buying a bunch of books and then never <laughs> reading them. That. And so I try to do like one at a time now, but I have them in my save for later. And that has definitely been sitting there. So yes. that will be my next purchase. Let me know when you do. <laughs> yeah. So I either love listening to books on Audible or I like yeah. to have things on Kindle because, I mean, I used to be a big annotator, like in my books. I used to like uh, obsess. Like if you see my mm-hmm. old books, it's like highlighted, noted, everything. That's how but, I am too. Yeah. Yeah. But Same. nowadays, like nowadays, I, maybe it's just because I do a lot of podcasting. Like I like things being read to me. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. if your book is on Kindle, that is something I will definitely read because I can use like Siri to just like, yeah, you just it's use on two Kindle. It's yeah. on Kindle. Okay, no, it's, it's on Kindle. It's on Kindle, Kobo, and Nook as ebooks. I love it. So Fantastic. Walmart and Barnes and Noble and Amazon all have my book in ebook form, and then Amazon has the physical. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! I just how cool! I just love that you have a book to share. I know that's so cool. <laughs> and I, I just say that because you know, like Nani and I want to get a book done for this project, and I've been saying that for like four years now. So I have not. <laughs> started that process. process but yeah, I, we can definitely appreciate all your hard work there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, it's been an absolute pleasure having you today. We really enjoyed your time and we wish you the best in this new stage Thank of your you. life. Thank you for teaching us a little bit about TikTok. I, I feel like I can better appreciate it, you know, for more than just an entertainment platform. So thank you for that. I had no one ever describe it to me in that way. And yeah, and for anyone that wants to get a hold of you to our listeners, we want we appreciate you listening in. If you want to get a hold of Ashley, we'll have her contact information in the show notes on our website, tifaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W project.com. And with that said, we look forward to speaking with you all in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.